If you have a, a Bible with you, uh, we're going to go to John chapter 2. And it's a familiar enough story. I want to tee it up before we get there a little bit. Um, and uh, this is a, a, a kind of a message that's been on my heart. It's kind of a theme, everybody. It's kind of on my mind and my devotions this year, uh, really. And it's, it's become almost like a lens through which I'm viewing Scripture, uh, especially the Gospels. And uh, it's kind of like the mission I feel Jesus is on in the country at the moment. Certainly, well, uh, maybe that's too grand, but certainly in my life, is to remove religion, okay? It's to remove all the religious add-ons of my faith and my experience, and uh, almost like a recentering where Christ and Jesus is enough. Amen? Uh, and coming back to that place of the cross, coming back to the place of the sufficiency of, of knowing him and, and the overflow of our lives out of the overflow of that relationship. And so that's kind of the journey uh, Brian is on. Pray for me. Um, and we're going to look at, at John chapter 2. There's a lot in this. And as I say, I, wanna, I do want to tee it up. It's the water into wine story, the first 11 verses. So stick your finger in your Bible there or keep it on your tablet. The words will come up in a second or two uh, on the screen. You can follow along with me. Um, but as I say, it's a very familiar story uh, to many of us, uh, and I think even w without a, look at maybe a spiritual or Christian background, you'll be familiar with the sort of anecdotal stories of how Jesus turns water into wine. Um, and as I say, I think the Holy Spirit has something for me to share uh, with you uh, as he's been sharing with me today. The Gospel of John, everyone, is a little bit different than the other three. You may already be familiar with that. The other three uh, collectively are known as the Synoptic Gospels, okay? And they are called that out of the word synopsis, which uh, in, in the Greek, sort of meaning of synopsis of seeing all together is kind of what it means. Synopsis means to see all together. And so when you apply the word synopsis, and it gets the overall term synoptic to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what it means is they tell a lot of the same stories, oftentimes in the same order and in the same flow. And just for as an aside kind of thing, if you're interested in, in following a gospel with the chronological order of how it happened, Mark is the one you want to read, okay? Mark is the one that has it pretty much as it happens, and it moves fast. Mark writes the words we think of Peter, and so Peter is kind of the drama, the action hero. And so if you want to go for a fast, swift overview of the Gospels, Mark is the, is the one to go. But John is a little different than the other three because he writes a little bit differently. His writing is more distinct than the other three. And you can, once you, you can kind of know that, you can kind of see how he tees things up. One of, the, one of the ways that uh, John's gospel is distinct, but he refers to uh, the miracles of Jesus as signs, okay? He calls them signs, and they are signs uh, primarily of Christ's identity as the Messiah, the Son of God, but also signs of Christ's identity and mission, what he has come to do. And we're going to look at it just very, very briefly. In the last chapter of John, the, the very end of it, John reveals the reason why he wrote the entire book. And he writes this in John 20, uh, verse 30 and 31. The word should come up all right. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in uh, the book, okay? So there must have been so many more. We, we know this, okay? But these are written, the ones that I've just chosen, the ones that I haven't in my book, in, in this letter, they're written that you may believe that one, Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, and that by believing then, number two, you may have life in his name. Amen? Isn't that exciting? 
wedding. This is what, so this is what it is. John reveals the miracles, okay, the signs of Jesus to encourage, number one, you and me to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that we may then have life in his name. So all of the signs, all of the miracles that we, and all of the actions of Jesus in John boil back to these two things. This is what John wants us to see, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is not just another prophet, not another teacher, not another good man, not another religious zealot of which there were many in the culture. No, no, but that Jesus is the Christ, okay? That he is the Son of God. And as a result of that revelation, when we put our trust in him, that we will have life in his name. Amen? So when we read then the water into wine, suddenly then it becomes more important, not that it lost importance, but through the lens of the why, through the lens of the mission and the vision of the gospel of John, we learn that in this story, turning water into wine, what John wants us to see is that Jesus is the Christ and that through him we will have life in his name. Amen? That changes that story. It changes how we read it. It changes how we approach it. But more importantly, it changes what we anticipate from the Scripture, okay? What, what's going to be in there now, now that I know that's what it really wants to show me, all right? Is that making sense? So let's read it all together and uh, let's have some fun. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, Mary, and Jesus and his, his disciples, probably five of them, okay? The other lot weren't already called. There's only five at that stage, all right? So the disciples, they were there as well. They've been invited. In verse 3, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. They have run out. And then Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? And he says, my hour has not yet come. We're going to come back to that curious response. His mother then said to the servants, look, whatever he tells you to do, do that. And so nearby stood a six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water, well, they knew. Then he called the bridegroom and said, look, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheap stuff after the guests have had too much to drink. But you, you've, all the way around, you saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs, okay, through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And then verse 12, just to finish off, after this, he went down to Capernaum uh, with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. So Father, we pray today that, uh, Lord, clearly already moving in the service, already doing things in our hearts, in our minds. Lord, I believe this. You're already working in our futures today. I believe you're aligning some things that will happen this week that will bring through an answer to the prayers we've been holding and praying. But we come now, Lord, to gather around your word, and we come now, Lord, to see how you will help us through your Holy Spirit and through Scripture, that you will remind us and show us with fresh eyes how Jesus is the Christ, and how that when we trust in him, Lord, we will have life life in his name. So Father, I pray for the words to say. I pray for your help, but Lord, I pray for more than that. I pray for all of our hearts that we will be fertile ground in which to receive what you want us to sow. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. We have... Um, We've come already to learn that there's something rich in these words, okay, of the first 11 or 12 verses in chapter 2. 
Everyone, though, if we want to mine the full marrow, okay, out of, out of these first 11 or 12 verses, what we need to do is look at the whole chapter 2, all of it. Not going to read it, but look at the whole of chapter 2. And so to do that, we want to consider the second story in chapter 2. So just flick over if you have a Bible with you or, or look down on your, on your tablet. What you will see is, is this John recording for us the very first time, one of two, where Jesus clears the temple. All right, he clears the temple of all the traitors and all the stuff and nonsense that is going on there. Jesus is sick of how the traitors are extorting the poor, overcharging uh, for, for sacrificial animals and so on, and he's had enough. And in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, John writes these words So he made a whip out of cords and he drove all from the temple courts. This is important to remember all, everyone, everything, everybody out. All the animals, all the people, everyone out, both sheep and cattle, all of them. He scattered the money, the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Now, imagine the scene with me. Imagine it. There's no one in the temple. He's chased them all. All we have is overturned tables, maybe an odd coin rattling on the cobbled floor of the temple. So all you can hear, there's no bed, there's no sheep, there's no nothing, there's no doves, there's nothing. There's just Jesus standing there, breathing heavily. And then, we don't know how long it lasts for, but let's say it's 15 minutes to, to 30 minutes to half an hour. He's emptied the whole place. The temple's not functioning. And I want you to follow me here. He's just standing there, breathing. There's no one. There's no temple activity. He shut it down. There's no animals. Can't be bought. He's chased them all out. Do you follow where I'm going? Where do you see this? If there are no animals to be bought, it means no sacrifice can be made. If no sacrifice can be made, no forgiveness could be received. And in this moment, there was no temple, there was no sacrifice, and there was no forgiveness. What was Jesus declaring in that moment? I am the temple. I am the sacrifice. I am the forgiveness. And in that moment, he was making this statement, I am superior than the temple. Now, when you join that to turning water into wine story, what we're going to see in the next 20 minutes is that Jesus shows us that not only is he superior to the temple, he is superior to tradition. And when you take these two stories together and you join them, we meet a Savior right at the beginning of his ministry, making this highly confrontational paradigm-shifting, shattering claim. I am greater than your tradition, and I'm greater than your temple. In me, God is doing something new. And I believe this, everybody. I believe this, this sign of Christ, the sign of the tradition, the water into wine, has profound implications for the moment on society as a nation of Ireland that we are living on. I want to go this far. This morning, I want to go this far with you. This morning, I know Jesus has been speaking to me. He's going to be speaking to you. But you know what? I think this, he's going to speak to Ireland. 
I believe there's something in this for uh, as the moment, as a word for our nation. This island we get to call home. I believe God is speaking a word over the land. In our text today, there's a wedding on. And I love it that Jesus is there. His mother's there. The disciples are there. The elders aren't there yet. Weddings, by the time of our text here, were week-long affairs. This wasn't like, oh, invitation. Oh, we got to go. There's another wedding. Do you ever notice that? Sometimes you get five weddings in a year and then none for three years. It's not how it happens. You tend, they came like buses. They just, five of them and then none of them. Imagine the week long, week long. Us men can't, uh, do we have to go to the evening, do we do? Oh, can we not go home? You're right. Imagine for a week. I can't imagine. Anyway, a week, week long, but anyway, they're, they're a big deal, okay? But when you're in that part of the culture, that part of the world where you're, you're almost like hand to mouth living, subsistence living, a week long wedding was a big deal. Let's have a wedding. Oh, thank goodness a wedding on lift the mood, eh? You, you'd, you absolutely want to go. You really do. So the party's in full swing by the time we get to here. And um, they run out of wine. And for anyone that's not aware, social etiquette nightmare. The last thing you want to do is run out of anything, but we cannot run out of wine. Okay, so this is a huge, huge deal. Mary turns to Jesus and kind of asks him to sort it out. Jesus transforms the water into wine, and he saves everyone's blushes. And you could think, well, that's not lovely of Jesus. He doesn't want us to be embarrassed. That's all he needs us to learn. He's an embarrassment-saving God. Hallelujah. Next. Okay. No, 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 there's a lot more already to this story, amen? Okay, and the first thing I want to teach you is this. Perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. Will that we video play, do you think? Yeah? Just, you may have seen this on social media. We're going to have a little game. Let's just have, play this for a little second. You Two can seconds. only hear the word you are reading. Okay, so we're going to play it again. And I want you to look at either brainstorm or green needle. It says this word, it's the same word, but whatever word you're looking at, that's the word you hear. Do you understand me? So if you're looking at brainstorm, you'll hear brainstorm. If you're looking at green needle, you'll hear green needle, even though it's playing the same word. Go again. You can only hear the word you are reading. That's freaking you out, isn't it? Okay, pick a different word last time. You can only hear the word you are reading. Whoa, really? Seriously? Where does he get that stuff? Seriously? Oh, unreal. TikTok. You got a phone. That's how I spent my week. I'm telling you. Perspective is everything, okay? It's kind of a, it's a brain trick. And so whatever word you look at, that's what you believe the voice is. So even though you can hear the same sound, okay? Uh, we don't know what we've been fed, I'll tell you, seriously. And so based on our perspective, we can hear the same thing, but we can see completely differently, okay? Even though they can look at the same thing, our responses can be different. That's the point I want to make, okay? So it's the same with Mary and Jesus. There's a difference between what Mary sees and what Jesus sees, and as a result, their responses are different. Am I making sense, okay? So when Mary goes here, uh, they've no more wine, okay? Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. What? They've no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. It's a bit fancy. Like if Mary had been speaking to me, I would have said something like, what? What? No way. Whose fault is that? They're dead. <laughs> Nobody runs out of wine. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Seriously? Not Jesus. Why? He says, my hour has not yet come. 
And I'll tell you why. It's because they're looking at wine in two different ways. The wine that Mary sees is not the same wine that Jesus sees, even though it's the same wine. Green Needle, Brainstorm. Okay? Mary looked at wine naturally. It is wine. There is now no wine. The wine has run out. Jesus, however, is looking at wine supernaturally. Follow along with me. Wine in the Old Testament is a symbol of sacrifice, of cleansing, of the Holy Spirit, of blessing, of vitality, of judgment, okay? It's all of those things. And taken together, taken all of those things together, wine is a symbol or a metaphor of a living, vibrant relationship with God. So when Mary goes, they've run out of wine. What Jesus hears, maybe, could it be, is as he's looking through his divine eyes, is he making a judgment on all of Israel and hears, yes, they have run out of a dynamic, vibrant relationship with God. And so he turns, woman, my hour has not yet come. It starts to make more sense. Because he knows what his R is about. His R is the cross. So what Mary was doing, everybody, it's a very simple statement, but it was a prophetic declaration of the spiritual state of the world that Jesus stepped into. And I want to say this. Is it a prophetic statement of the spiritual state of the world that we are living in? Are we a nation that is running out of I believe it is, but I believe this. I do not believe for one moment that God is without a divine plan to get new wine flowing over this nation in Jesus' name. That's why this talk is called a revival of righteousness, amen? And it all happens with what Jesus does next. Are you ready? This is what he does. He turns tradition into truth. That's what he does. He goes, six big jars. Ceremonial jars for washing of hands. And this wasn't like arriving to the restaurant, we splash of hands, go and have your dinner. This was between courses. Every time you finished a course, you had to go and ceremonially wash your hands and wash away all the uncleanliness, etc., etc. This was a religious obligation. It wasn't in the Torah, it's in the Mishnah, the oral tradition of the elders. It was a religious obligation to avert the wrath from what would be an offended God if he didn't wash your hands between all your courses. They have to have been empty, everyone, because Jesus asked for them to have been filled. Lots of religion being poured out. And it symbolizes the tradition of the Pharisees. It symbolizes the tradition of the Jews. And Jesus then turns all of that water into wine. He turns tradition into truth. He turns it into a new wine, a better wine. Why did you bring the best stuff out at the end? A wine, everyone, that will change a person from the inside out. Water changes you on the outside, but the wine of Christ changes you from the inside out. And so what happens is Jesus here, when he turns the water into wine, it's the water of religion is washed away with the wine of righteousness provided by Jesus Christ and nothing of our own hands. Amen? Nothing of our own hands. 
And church, we have to be reminded all over again, and I remind myself, listen to me here, it is the blood of Jesus that washes away all of our sins. It is the blood of Jesus that sets us at peace with the Father. There is nothing we have to do to earn God's love. There is nothing we have to do to keep God's love, save to trust in Christ, the anointed one. Look at all the ways we've added stuff on to make sure that Jesus still loves us. But Jesus has done it all. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus is at the Last Supper. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many of the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7, 8, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Not in accordance with your ritual, in accordance with your behavior, in accordance with your quiet time, in accordance with your tithing, in accordance with your church serving, in accordance with your dad no, 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 no. It's in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Jesus has done it all. What if God, what if God is setting up Ireland, historical, secular Ireland, steeped for the past, I don't know how many decades in traditional religion? What if God, what if God, what if God is setting us up for an outpouring of the radical love of God through the blood of Jesus? What if we're on the brink of, of, a, of a revival of truth, a revival of righteousness, a revival of salvation, a revival of radical love, not born from one church tradition, not born from another church tradition, but born on the cross and built through the saving power of the Lord Jesus? Amen. I got to believe it. I gotta believe this is what God is doing. This new wine is coming. He's turning all of our traditions into truth. We're coming to a place we no longer need all the add-ons. All we need is Christ. So what do we do? What do we do? Is there anything we can do to be part of what God is about to do? Of course there is. If you're a follower in this room, listen in. If you're if you want to become a follower of, the, of Jesus, listen in. I want us to encourage you to do two things. It may be more than this, but for today it's enough. I want us to do two things. Be a disciple, one who plays, and a disciple, number two, who pours. I'm going to be a player and be a pourer. Mm-hmm. I love this image of Jesus' open arms. He's at a wedding. God the Son, in whom all things hold together. Is that a wedding? The king of heaven is the king of the dance floor. Not more, I'm offended. Back off, Pharisee. The king of heaven is the king of the dance floor. I am not going to dance. I'll go on. Ah, you will. No, I won't. My wife's seen me dance. It's not good. Mad uncle. Isn't it amazing? Here's the thing about it. They wanted him there. Oh, don't invite Jesus. He's got all he's got Christian, he's become a Christian. And you know what Christians are like? They sit at weddings now in the corner. Used to be good crack. Not good crack anymore because he got saved. And now he comes and he sits and reads his Bible or something. I don't know what he does, but he's on that phone. What happens to our personality when we get saved, people? Where does that go? But they want him in the room. 
make sure Jesus comes. So it's wild crack. And they bring the lads with them. One of them in the room. And I love it. More than that, though, it's the willingness of Jesus then to live his life in the middle of our stuff. To come to the weddings and to come to the christenings and to come to work and to, and to come to, you know, to the gym, to, to go wherever life is happening, where people are gathering, whatever people are doing, Jesus wants to go. He wants to be in the middle of it all. Jesus is not afraid of the world he made. Amen? He, he just kind of walks out and he wants to be in the middle of it. Let's go for a mad word, okay? Enculturate. What does that mean? He enculturates himself. He immerses himself in the world that he made. Amen? And here's the thing. He doesn't allow the world to immerse itself in him. So he can move through it without it moving through him. I've said this to you before. Jesus did life with sinners. They changed. He didn't. We are so afraid of stepping into the world, stepping into our life, engaging with the culture in case the culture gets to us. We got to remember that the spirit of the living God is not just in you, he is on you. And that everywhere you go, anything can happen in Jesus' name. We need to be a confident church filled with confident believers. Amen. Look, I know this for a lot of us. We have different thresholds about what's good for us in our new life with Christ. Some of us can do a thing. Some of us can't do a thing. I get that, okay? But for all of us, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage me, never be anxious about engaging with the world that we are in. Never be afraid to get on the dance floor and bust some moves. Amen. God did not give your, didn't give a, a lobotomy of your personality. I got saved now, so that equals dull. That equals, I have to frown now. I have to mmm at the world. What are we doing? What are we doing? No, 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 no. When followers of Jesus embody who he is, when the reality of our newness hits our soul, it can hit our face. Yes? To infuse this heart and mind. You know what happens? Joy happens. Yes? <laughs> yes? I'm jet lagged and mental. Please come and help me. Joy happens. It happens. Seriously. And I don't need you. Have to, you don't have to come in to work tomorrow. Hi. God bless you and you and you. <laughs> don't do that. You'll be committed. You get him out of here. You need a wee rest. But, no, but we don't have to go and go, Hello. What's wrong with you? I'm a Christian. All oh, right. <laughs> I know too many Christians go to work and they're a pain in them. Really. And a glum, hmm, whatever. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you go to work tomorrow, you need to be first in, last out. Yes, sir. Work the hardest, be the best. Yes. Smile the most and bring the Krispy Kremes. Whether anyone asked you or not, doesn't matter, amen? Okay, we can pray over those Krispy Kremes. Lord, whoever eats these, be saved. Doesn't matter, they don't need to know. All right? Don't put a tract under their keyboard. Put a, put a Krispy Kreme on their keyboard. They'll do more good. Amen? amen. <laughs> Told you I'm tired. Seriously. We gotta have a faith that's dynamic. Jesus is not dull. If church is boring, it's because we are boring. Not because he's boring. He, he's not so boring. He's wanted at every wedding. Can he come? And all we do at the weddings, uh, there was a wedding in Cana, a Cana, and Jesus is with us now in our vows. That's as far as we go. I want him in the room. 
I want him at work. I want him in the gym. I want him in the car home. I want him on the plane. I want him everywhere. I want Jesus everywhere. We met a guy over in, in San Diego. Honestly, by the time we were finished with him, the four of us got him. He was starting blogs. He was changing his life. He was going to have he was going to do one-to-one -one men's meetings. He was going to, we wrecked him. We went to him for two days, okay? And we said, we'd be with you at four o'clock and we weren't able to make it to eight. We got there and he goes, I thought you'd be here by four. And he goes, he was actually angry. This was our break, clear off. But he was so angry that we were like, oh, I didn't think you were coming. Because four men, who doesn't know very much really, but we, we blessed them, we spoke life into them, like over them, because we have the giver of life in our spirit, in our soul. Yes, amen. And if there's one culture on the earth, okay, that can do this, that can imbibe the joy of faith, it's the Irish. And I mean the new Irish. All of you guys that have moved here over the past few years, grown up here, I know you all love this culture better than your home culture. I know you do, right? Okay. <laughs> But I was doing some research, right, for a paper I was writing, and this guy was writing a few years ago about the Irish. I'm going to read it to you, because I love it. It's hilarious, okay? Put it up if you can find it. It's, it says this, it's supreme egotism. This is what, look at this class. Supreme egotism and utter seriousness are necessary for the greatest accomplishment, and these the Irish find hard to sustain, okay? So good. And he tells you why. At some point, the instinct to see life in a comic light <laughs> becomes irresistible and ambition fails to before it. It's fantastic. In other words, there's always a paddy in the room that will crack a joke, all right? That's it. <laughs> Honestly, if we were in the room sorting out Apollo 11, those boys would still be in space, all right? But what fantastic meeting, a bit of crack. That's all that means, okay? You want anything done, don't get an Irish to do it, but it doesn't matter because you'll have a bit of crack. If we can't make Jesus fun, the Irish, we're done. We are D-O-N-E, okay? I don't know who wrote the book on your faith. I don't know who was Mrs. God or Mr. God for you, okay? But I'm telling you this. The Holy Spirit is Mr. Life, amen? And he's the joy of the life. You're the joy of the world. That's who you are, okay? You're the light of the world. You're the joy of the world because Jesus is in you. Now go grab it. Go grab it with a smile on your face, amen? amen. Hip, hip. The second thing is this, okay? So <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. Okay, be a player, all right? And then be a pourer. Be a pourer, okay? So I don't know, this, this talk is gone. But I want us to imagine the jars, okay? In your mind, to imagine the jars. Legal requirement, oral law, tradition, all of that. Wash your hand after every whatever. For, um, and, it, and, it, and here's what happens, just to get an idea of it. The people had to come to the water for cleansing, and I love this. They had to come to it. But what we see with Jesus' wine is that the wine came to them. In other words, people came to the water to keep the rules, but the wine came to the people so they could experience joy, peace, and love. The wine came to them. I have to remember that. When I pour out the faith that's in me, I'm the jar. What do others taste? Do they taste my water? Do they taste my religion? Or do they taste my wine and the reality of my relationship with Jesus? Am I making sense? What's in us? What's in you? Listen to me here. When we pour out of faith, fear, when we live out of fear of the world that we live in, okay, our faith comes out like rules. It comes out like water. It comes out full of no and not and can't and shouldn't and won't. No. Am I making sense? And that's what people think Christianity is. It's, it's the God of no, the God of can't, God of shouldn't, God of wouldn't, God of stay back, da-da-da. But when we pour out of relationship, confidence, 
optimism, hope. Our faith sounds like grace and it sounds like love. It sounds like trust. It sounds like patience, expectation, and hope. It's like parenting. When you parent from fear, no. When you parent from faith, I'm trusting God for you. Let's have a conversation. Do you see the difference? What's in you? And I don't, I don't want to live out of fear, church. The world is changing. Fast. You have your head around it one minute and that shifts again in, in unprecedented speed. And the, the, the result could be that we could become fearful and retreat to the sides and the margins of society. We can't afford to retreat to the margins and to the sides and pour our faith out of fear. Because then we pour out of religion. We trust the structures. We trust the rituals. We trust the stuff and try to trust in Jesus. And so when we're full of fear, our faith comes across as a shutdown. But when we're full of relationship, full of trust, full of devotion. Full, I mean, listen, we're, we're in and out of this all that We're in our humanity. But I want the majority of my fear, of my faith, to come out of that sense of relationship. Where when anybody asks me for the reason of which I believe, I can tell them that I believe in a great God who loves the world, who's died for everyone, who wants to see everyone of the breakthrough, and he's done it all to make it happen. That means when I, when I go to work tomorrow, when I go to the gym tomorrow, I'm not afraid of someone who's not a believer. I'm not on the back foot because I don't maybe line up with all of the culture. I'm not weird. I'm going to be whacked off because I may not know how to answer every single agenda as a believer right now. I may not have all of the words to counter every argument, but I don't care because the spirit of the living God is in me and on me. And you know what? If I can love people, everyone knows what love is. Amen? So instead of pouring out my religion, I want to pour out my relationship. And for that, I need any water in me to be turned into wine. Amen? Worship team, please come up and join me now. This is what we're going to do. I want to invite Jesus in the room right now for you to have any sense of fear, any sense of water of religion that be transformed into wine in all of us in this room. Come on, why don't we stand? Let's stand for a minute. As the guys are getting ready, let me, let me speak to us collectively as, as, as the church, as Open Arms Church. Because we're part of this great house, amen? Hello? Am I on? Yeah? yeah? Aren't we? Yeah. It's family here. Yeah. Every Sunday's a family do. Yeah? Every life group's a family do. Every servant team's a family do. Yeah. Getting together with a family. Like every other family, there's people we like more than others. Hip hip. Okay. Well, that was a bit loud. Oh, no, John. But we're a family. But let me say this then as a family, for those that regard open arms as the, that's their church, they're called. And they're, we want to be a wine church, not a water church. In the context of this, we know Jesus is the water of life, don't we? context, we want to be a religious church. Ireland's done. God is getting rid of religion in Ireland. I want to say that confidently, graciously. Religion, tradition is over. In our post-modern, post-truth, post-everything world, okay, tradition is done. Institutional church is over. If it's not over yet, it's going. 
mainstream denominations in Ireland have a shelf life of around 30 to 50 years. In my children's generation, some of the churches we've grown up with and traditions will be gone, unless, unless, unless. Amen. Oh, it's society. I don't think it's society at all. I think God's doing a new thing. The church is not over, amen. But what he's pouring out over the nation is new. And it is better. And instead of us going all the places in, no, 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 let's get excited about what God is pouring over the nation. And until that moment, we want to be a wine church, a new wine church, if you will. When anybody walks through those doors, what they, what they receive from this house is not no, can't, uh, it's like love, acceptance, grace, peace, and space. Amen. That's what wine does. It gives people grace, it gives people space, and it gives them a place. That's what wine does. When you go to work tomorrow, your new wine people give your people grace, peace, and space. Go to the gym tomorrow, grace, peace, and space. Back to your marriages tomorrow, today. Father, would you move in this room? Lord, any of the religious things in us, God, that you might want to point out this moment that we think we need to do to keep you happy. Lord, for any of us in the room that would experience fear of the world that we live in, read the news headlines and read the papers and just talk even, you know, at, at work with friends and you're like, my, this conversation's shifting. Wow, Whew be fear in us and it would cause us to circle the wagons and administer faith from a, a defensive posture where we'd cast across the world in doom and gloom and shout at it and judge at it and point at it and poke at it and scream at it and boo at it Lord would you turn that right now water into wine would you turn that fear into faith Lord faith in who you are a faith that Jesus is still turning up the weddings, still turning up the places where people gather and doing something new and something fresh. Lord Jesus, I pray for us collectively, but even for me and us as individuals, Father, would you turn water into wine? Any water of religion in me, anything of ritual in me, anything, Lord God, I need to shake off, anything of my past and my granny's faith, I still think this overshadowing me I need to do this and need to do no 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 I just need to know Jesus and out of the overflow of that find ways to serve him and love him and let him change my life would you do it right now Holy Spirit come